Welcome into The Harvest, a podcast dedicated to helping you live your faith and make disciples in the everyday places of life. I'm Andrew Stroud. At the end of his life, the Apostle Paul wrote to his son in the faith, Timothy. In that letter, he gave Timothy the following charge. My son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. How does God use generational discipleship to help us not only survive, but thrive as followers of Jesus? And what are the things Timothy received from Paul that he was called on to entrust to the next generation of faithful men? Today's episode is a talk I recently gave with one of my sons in the faith, Brian Trainer. We explore Paul's words to Timothy and how they can guide us as we follow Jesus and make disciples today. Tonight, we're going to share a simple diagram and devotion called Survive and Thrive, or How to Survive and Thrive as a Follower of Jesus. All of us are followers of Jesus, hopefully, in this room. And um, of course, we want to survive. We want to do well in our faith. We want to be in this for the long haul. Uh, we don't want to just start well. We want to walk with Jesus all the days of our lives. We want to finish well. But we also want to thrive, and I believe that God is calling us to thrive. Jesus said, that um, uh, by this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So Jesus doesn't want us to just survive, keep our nose above water as followers of his. He wants to use our lives to, to bear fruit and to thrive. And there's a little story. How many of you guys have heard the term uh, Pyrrhic victory? Anybody? So if, if, if someone tells you that, uh, hey, you won a Pyrrhic victory, well, it basically means that you won the battle, but it cost you the war. And it comes from uh, an ancient king, a guy who lived about 50 years after Alexander the Great, and he had aspirations to be like Alexander the Great. Alexander pretty much took his army and went east. He, um, he conquered Turkey, what's modern-day Turkey, down through uh, what's now the, uh, the land of Israel, um, over into Egypt. Actually, he ended up getting all the way to Afghanistan, before he got bogged down. A lot of conquerors have gotten bogged down. In Afghanistan, Alexander was one of the first. Um, but this guy, uh, Pyrrhus, was a king, and he decided to go west. And west was Italy. And this was around 280 BC. So he invades Italy, and he attacks the Romans. Now, this was right before the Romans really broke out and conquered the Mediterranean world. But uh, Pyrrhus had elephants. He had some he had some hardware that the Romans had never faced, and he actually won his first two battles, major conflicts, with the Romans. But he lost so much of his elite troops and so much of his hardware that he ended up losing the war. And um, he is uh, quoted as saying, if we are victorious in one more battle with the Romans, we shall be utterly ruined. And they really were ruined. And so that's why uh, this phrase, a Pyrrhic victory, is something that we still use today. And that's, that's not the way that we want to be. So we, we want to be inv involved in the fight, but we also want to do it in a way that fits with what um, Jesus is calling us to. So 
Yeah, so as we were praying through really what that meant, you know, how does that look like in our lives? We were thinking about it and, you know, and in through prayer, we realized that most people here um, might have the basics of what it looks like to survive. And um, we're going to talk through what that looks like to follow Jesus and to survive, to, to continue to walk with him. Um, and then what it would be to take to the next level. Um, when I'm working with patients, every new person that I meet, the first thing I do assess is, is this person ready to, do they need band-aids right now? Do they need um, to basically be put on, you know, outpatient life support? Like, am I, we're trying to get to the next day or are we trying to help them live as optimally as possible? And so tonight's going to address both, but we're really going to try to pave the pathway and look towards what it looks like to thrive as a follower of Jesus. Because we do believe that Every person here is fully capable of that, and um, that's our desire, that we could all um, live the life that God's called us to and invites us into. So we're going to share an illustration. It's called Survive and Thrive. So if you have a notebook, we'd love for you to take notes and write these down. Um, and also, if you want to flip in your Bibles to 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. And um, as we're flipping there, just for... <sighs> Throughout the New Testament, in the second half of the Bible there, um, you know, Paul writes a lot of letters to individuals. And so we're going to be looking at the second letter Paul wrote to one of his key disciples, Timothy, someone that carried on the message. Um, great. So I will read that when we, when we all get there. Second Timothy 2, 1 and 2 says, um, You therefore, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these things to reliable men who are going to be able to teach others also. Second Timothy 2, 1 and 2. So we're sharing that in the context. Um, hopefully you can see the picture here. So um, I'm going to let Andrew share a little bit more of the context of this verse and, and um, how it fits into the New Testament. Right. So like Brian was saying, this is a personal letter. Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, who was a younger man that Paul had spent um, a lot of time discipling. In fact, does anyone have a guess as to how much time Paul had spent with Timothy before he wrote this letter to him? Speculations out there? How long had Paul known Timothy when he wrote 2 Timothy to him? About 15 years. So he had spent quite a bit of time with Timothy. This wasn't a new acquaintance, he had spent, and we're going to see that he had spent not just a lot of time, but some pretty intense time together serving the Lord. So the context of the book of 2 Timothy is that Paul is at the end of his life. So we're just going to look at three verses from this same letter, because I want everyone to understand when Paul gives this charge in 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2, um, he's really handing over the baton. Uh, what he had been giving his life to, he's now, he's now challenging Timothy to take that up and uh, make sure that that wasn't in vain. So the first verse that I want us to look at is chapter 4, verse 7. And I think we've got a slide for these verses, Ryan. Philippian, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. So here Paul writes, I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
And uh, what this meant was he was getting ready to be executed. And he knew that. So it wasn't just that he was old. He knew that his time of departure had definitely come. And look at the language that he uses here. I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. If we go back to the beginning of the book in chapter one, he tells Timothy to guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. So keep that in your mind that something had been entrusted, something of great value had been entrusted to Timothy. And now Paul is charging him to don't lose that. Make sure that that goes beyond you. Make sure that it doesn't end with you. And then the verses right after 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, which are our main verses for tonight. If you look at verses 3 and 4, he says, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. So look at that imagery. It's not, it's, it's basically what Ryan was talking about last week, that this life of faith that we've been called to, um, it's not an easygoing life. It's not a casual life. Um, there's an expectation that we will join the ones who have gone before us, like Paul and Timothy, to, uh, to fight the good fight, to finish the race, to keep the faith. And so that's the context of 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. Um, it's a very sobering, serious thing that, that Paul is commissioning Timothy with here. Yeah, and so um, if we can go back to the survive and thrive slide, we um, we just want to highlight that you know these are these are real people, right? Paul to Timothy and to faithful people who are going to teach others also, and we included in. We'll talk more about it. How Timothy and Titus would have been uh, about probably around the same age, but in terms of spirituality, on a similar playing field. They were both being invested in and growing uh, from from Paul, and so. Uh, we just wanted to like add some context to this. When I was a young young guy in the, in the army, showed up and uh, I didn't really know how this all broke down in terms of the, the Bible study and the men that impacted my life. But looking back, I can see that a guy named Zach Abrams really was Timothy to me. I was, I would like to believe a young faithful man. And he, from the beginning, Zach was helping me see that part of my role was to reach others with the message that he was passing on to me. Zach was about three or four years older than me. He was in my unit and he was um, a guy that was faithfully following Jesus. And soon I learned that, you know, he was being mentored and discipled by a guy named Mike Chong. And Mike, um, you know, was someone that I looked up to spiritually, but um, I got a lot more time with Zach in the Timothy spot. And then Zach had a whole, you know, group of other young men that he was following Jesus with that would have been his running mates, guys like Titus to come alongside him. He was living in community with with believers that could encourage him. So that's kind of how it played out in my life. And we're gonna, um, at the end, really ask you to put yourself in this same model and think of where, where are you in this and how do these generations play out in your life? So we talked a little bit about the context of why this is so important. You know, of all the things that Paul could have talked to Timothy about, this was the thing that he charged him with. Things which you have heard from me and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That was what was on Paul's mind at the end of his life when he was writing this letter to Timothy. And then, just like Brian said, what you see here is generations, and we often talk about four generations. You see them here in this diagram. So Paul is the first generation, then Timothy, 
Then you have faithful men and others also. Those are the four generations. And all of us are hopefully somewhere in those generations, which we'll come back to. But now I want to draw your attention to what is being passed on, right? Because in these verses, in the, the one that's on the screen here, he talks about the things or these things. Um, the things which you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these things to others who will be able to teach others also. And we already talked about in chapter one where he said there was a treasure that had been given to Timothy. So let's look at chapter three, verse 10. This is all in the same book. So even though we're bouncing around a little bit, um, it's all in the context of this letter, a short letter that Paul was writing to Timothy. So Ryan, if you could pull up that slide for um, chapter three, verses 10 and 11. What are the things that Timothy had received that he was to pass on? Here in chapter three, Paul tells him, you have followed my teaching, my conduct, my way of life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and my sufferings. Now that's a lot of things, right? So sometimes when we think about someone discipling us, we could be tempted to think that it's just information. So-and-so is sharing the Bible with me. He's, he's helping me learn the Bible. But discipleship, this treasure, the things that have been entrusted to us should be so much more than just information. And they were definitely a lot more than that for Timothy. Look at everything that he learned from, from Paul. Yes, there was teaching, but he also learned Paul's conduct. He learned Paul's way of life. Some of your Bibles will actually say my aim in life. He learned his faith, his patience, his love, steadfastness, and even persecutions and sufferings. They were working shoulder to shoulder in the good times and in the bad times. They, they went through those waters together. And so what I, what I want to persuade you guys of tonight is that the process of disciple-making has always been intended to be generational. One generation passing on the faith to the next generation. That's the process of disciple-making. It's not, yes, right now we're on a stage and we're talking about faith. <laughs> That's good. You can learn a lot through things like this or Sunday morning services or podcasts or videos. But the ultimate process of disciple-making is meant to be one life sharing Jesus with another life. One generation passing on the faith to the next generation. The process was always meant to be generational. And secondly, the content is always meant to be more than just information. So if you look at what's being passed on here, it's really a, a way of viewing the world. It's a, a value system what he cares about, uh, and it's an entire way of life. So. Yeah, I was just going to add, um, I think 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2 really helps when we look at like the structure, but it doesn't encapture the, the things. And uh, another verse that I like to kind of capture, maybe how am I trying to view the people that God's given me? Jesus in John 17 prayed, um, for his disciples. He said, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. 
all mine are yours and yours are mine. So I view that anyone that God's given us entrusted to us, um, it's, it's an opportunity that we get to, to love them the way that Jesus um, loved his disciples. And so um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, verses 7 and 8, this is how Paul is describing the way that he loved the people in Thessalonica at the time. Um, he says that, uh, but we've proved to be, a, to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children, children, having so fond an affection for you we were well pleased to impart not only the gospel of God, the information that Andrew mentioned, but also our own lives. Um, at the guy who discipled me at his wedding made a joke that people probably were wondering whether he was dating his wife or me when we first met because Zach spent so much time with me. He's now married with three kids and they're an amazing family, Zach and Jessica. But he, uh, he went out of his way to pour his life into me, even though he had a full-time job as an army officer. He had plenty he was dating his now wife. Um, but yeah, he, he poured out his life in that type of affection. And so um, he wasn't just surviving. Zach was living a life of faith that was on the offensive. He was praying every day for opportunities to share and to advance the gospel and to live out this generational life. And so I think that's really what we're talking about tonight. Yeah, and I think that's why this kind of discipleship is so rare because it's costly if it's just a matter of me sharing some information with you, then we can sit down and we can do that. And sometimes we talk about one-on-one. So you guys may hear someone talk about that. Let's spend some time together, just one-to-one. But we also use a phrase, life on life. And that's actually what's required to make the kind of disciples that that Paul is talking about here, is willing to share your life, like uh, Zach was doing with Brian. It's very costly, and it's one of the reasons why I think it's a treasure that had been entrusted to Timothy, that uh, he had received this treasure so much from Paul over those 15 years, and how could he not pass it, uh, pay it forward? You know, that's what Jesus told his disciples, freely you have received, freely give. So that's an expectation is if, if someone is willing to help you and you're being helped by them in the faith, there's an expectation that you would pay that forward to the next generation. Yeah, one more thought um, really about this relationship, but it comes into play, I think, in our real lives with um, the way that Paul really loved Timothy. If you want to look at their beginning of their relationship, Acts uh, 16 is where they meet. Acts 16.3 says, um, and Paul desired that Timothy come with him. It says that he was a disciple, um, you know, living there where, he, where Paul was traveling at the time. And um, this verse means a lot to me because... Um, when I moved to San Diego, I was planning to move, just be here for a few months and then move to the East Coast to go to medical school. And um, a few months in, Andrew actually shared this verse with me. He said, um, hey, like, I see God's hand in your life. I want you to do what God's calling you, but I would like you to stay. And I think I can teach you things. And uh, I think I can do that. And he didn't probably even realize at the time I was going to end up living with him and learning from him. And he was going to you know, end up seeing my life and um, the good, the bad, the all in between. So um, it's just cool that this verse isn't just, uh, this was, that was Paul's desire. He actually wanted to invite men into his life. And we can do that today. We can invite people into our lives and, and uh, we can, on the other end, say yes to that. Um, I could have said, nope. Um, but in that verse, God still had to do a lot of work in my life to convince me to stay. But have, knowing that, um, 
I think if you have the opportunity to be mentored and discipled, like run to that. Um, we're looking, we're looking for men of faith, ultimately people that are faithful, available, that they take initiative. Um, they're teachable and, uh, they have a heart for the Lord, a heart for God, heart for others. Yeah. So Acts 16, uh, whole chapter is great, but verse three, um, in the version I was reading at the time said, Paul desired that Timothy go with him and, the NASB, it says, Paul wanted this man to go with him. And then you can do a whole study. He took him and circumcised him right away. So um, <laughs> commitment on uh, both parts. <laughs> yeah, and so we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap up here in the next minute or so because we want to, um, to not cut into your small group time. So maybe you could just share the uh, Acts 1-8. But um, before Brian shares that, we wanted to share this this week because when you hear a message like Ryan shared last week, hopefully it does stir you up, you know, to see how the world is in such need. You know, it stirred God up. God loved the world, so he took action. But you and I are not going to change the world. We're not going to change the world. And the good news is you're not supposed to. God's not calling you to change the world. But he is calling you to change the world around you. He is calling you to make a difference in the lives of people that you already know or that you will soon meet in the coming weeks. And you can do that. You're not going to change the world, but you can make a difference and pass on the faith to the next generation. Yeah, so one of the verses I think that captures that for us is Acts 1.8. In fact, um, no one's wearing the green shirt tonight, but if you don't have a navigator shirt, go get a shirt. Wait, oh. Danny is, okay. Uh, so Acts 1-8 uh, is on the back of our shirts, so we should all have it memorized. But it really uh, says this. It says, um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, first in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. And so first in Jerusalem, they were already in that area. Those are people that were right around them. So um, let's be those witnesses. You know, the Holy Spirit is upon you. Let's go and do that here in San Diego, here in the Navy, here in your, in your workplace, wherever you are. Um, so that's really our charge today. That, And let's learn how to do that, and let's use tonight to do that. There's a reason the BDC that we're all going through, it starts with the call to follow, because really that is Jesus's model that he, um, that study really helps us grasp how did Jesus do this, and how can we apply this today? So, um, yeah. Yeah, so we've got uh, some discussion questions here that you guys can cover in your small groups, and hopefully your applications will come out of this. So you can see those there. I'll just read through them quickly, and then uh, I'll say a prayer so we can break up to our small groups. So some things to be thinking about based on what we talked about tonight. First is, do you see the relationships and generations from that image in your own life? If you change the names from Paul and Timothy and Titus, Faithful men, others also. Who are the people that would fit in those different generational slots? Secondly, do you have a Paul, older believer that you're learning from? You're learning the things from. Or do you have a Titus, uh, a running mate, someone who is close to you in terms of their spiritual maturity, but who who's really wanting to follow Jesus and that you can be like iron sharpening iron with? Are you learning the things from those people, from the Pauls and Tituses that God has put in your life. And then finally, if you think about the generation yet to come, do you have faithful people that you are pouring into? 
Thank you.